today we're talking about vendor advocates and what they do. I don't know about you, but this one really confuses me. Why would you hire a vendor's advocate when that is what your sales agent's supposed to be doing? What do you think? Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? As a seller, am I worried about the, my sales agent? I should be comfortable with my sales yeah, agent. Yeah, you should so. be. So where, where are they bringing the value in? I'm... Yeah, I think that's what we're trying to get to. Yeah. I hope Nicole, she's coming in today again, which is really special, uh, will be able to change our thoughts about what vendor advocates do. And we also want to know how they get paid because I'm already paying for my real estate agent. Why do I want to pay for another person? Yes. On with the show. Welcome to Real Estate Right, where we talk to top experts on how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your hosts are Grant Kennedy and Sue Langida. With such a positive response from listeners when we last had Nicole Jacobs on, we welcome her back to talk about the other side, vendor advocacy. Nicole Jacobs is a regular property expert on Channel 9, The Block, and is here today representing her company, Nicole Jacobs Property. Welcome back, Nicole. Great to be back, guys. Ah, it's great to see you again. Okay, so to let our listeners know, the vendor is the same person as the seller of the property. So sometimes we have to say vendor, others we say seller. It means the same. Vendor is more of an industry term, where seller is more of a general public term. So that's just so we very true. Yeah, on the on the same page. Yeah. So explain, Nicole, what a vendor advocate does. Okay, so a vendor advocate is there for the vendor or the seller. Uh, They're traditionally, and there's lots of different roles a vendor advocate uh, take, but the main role is to help and advise the seller as to which agent they should use to sell their property. Okay. So does that mean that you are the arch enemy of the real estate agent? (laughs) Well, the way I look at it, uh, they got called in because you were part of that equation, so part of the cake is better than none. Fair enough. <laughs> Are you there to keep them honest in their education to the seller? Is that part of the role or is it simply to just find a preferred agent that you're confident in already? Or mm. Well, personally, I, I will only be advising that they bring in agents that I trust and think are very professional anyway. So it's not to make sure they're doing the right thing. Uh, it's to make sure that there is a real fit between the vendor and the agent. And I think that's imperative. You're going to spend the best part of six weeks at least. You'll have a four-week campaign on and maybe a couple of weeks getting the property ready. So you've got to like them, you've got to trust them, and they've got to be, uh, you know, on a level where they feel really comfortable to communicate. So I think that that's the, the main reason I vendor advocate, uh, is, and I only ever do it if somebody asks me to do it. So it's not something that we chase as far as business goes, but really happy to sit down because I know a lot of the agents in the areas to be able to say, okay, for this person, I think that you could go with these couple of agents. Yeah, and what do you think are the deciding factors, say, for person A versus person B? Is it is it personality types or is it purely based on... Um, results that you know, like agents based on the area that you're looking at selling in or? So for me, the number one deciding factor for a vendor is usually personality. Do yep. they gel with that person? Yep. Uh, because, uh, you know, I make sure that they f- they know they've got to get along with this person, but they'll get a feel. I'm, you're probably the same. You, you walk into a, you know, a cafe or a club or whatever. Yeah. Or, 
probably all too old to go to clubs, but not <laughs> not all too old. But you know what I mean. You, you get it straight away when you meet someone. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so when you meet someone, you either gel with them or you don't. And yeah. I think that that's what happens instantly when they meet one of the agents. Uh, second uh, driving factor would be how much they've appraised the property for, which is a real sticking point because you can obviously overinflate to get a listing. Uh, and then spend the whole time actually re-educating them back to the, the figure you felt they could get at the start. Uh, or you could present that figure and say, obviously, we'll try and get above that. But a lot of people just want to hear a figure that's up in fairyland yeah. and they believe that their house is obviously better than everybody else's in the street anyway. So my education of that vendor before the agents have even come through is to say, okay, this is where we think it sits. Let's hear what the agents say. Yeah, yeah, because I know... You know, I'm not battering real estate agents down or anything, but there are some real estate agents that will sell themselves based on an inflated price. Is, is would you say that's true? Oh, there's definitely agents that will do yeah. that. Uh, they don't it's tend to last that long. Something people have to really watch out for. Yeah, yeah. the the ones that overinflate constantly just don't last long, or their reputation isn't good because they're constantly not achieving what the uh, what, what they, the vendor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what they that told the vendor sense. they would get. Yeah. And that gets around. Yeah. Because you have a, a terrible experience, you tell 20. You have a great experience, you tell three. Mm. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. But that's yeah. what happens. Yeah. Well, that's Definitely. good, though. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So why do you think it's worth getting a vendor advocate um, involved? It's obviously not for everybody. Mm. I think if you're able to make those decisions by yourself, uh, then you can do it yourself. I mm. think when uh, it's useful is that uh, maybe you were a partnership with somebody and maybe they've died mm. and you feel that you're not confident to make a decision mm. uh, based on that you, you're you just not in the real estate market mm. so you don't know what's going on and I need someone by my side that's going to look after me mm. and make sure that the decisions I'm making are based on some good facts. Mm. So I think that anybody that's a bit unsure uh, and a bit dubious of estate agents yeah. then maybe want to use uh, look at using a vendor advocate okay. because he can also, the other side of it is of course being able to crunch them on their fees and making sure that they're doing the right things and they're not overinflating marketing costs and they're not doing all those things. So yeah. that can be really important. Yeah, that leads on to my question just to dig into that a little bit deeper is how much of the selling process do you get involved with once you've connected them? How, yeah, how much are you getting involved at that point? It's, yeah, and that's another great question. Uh, Grant, because you can be as involved as the person wants you to be or you can stand back. So if you've uh, engaged a particular agent that's really happy to run most of the process and you're there on auction day or you're there for some of the opens, uh, we do all of that, but we'll also you know, hold from A to, to Z for the whole process. And you'll get so involved in the marketing and everything. Like we'll that. have if, a look at it, yeah, if they want it. But yeah. the idea is to be able to uh, engage an agent that can do all of those things very professionally and then you're the point person to make sure and to check and make sure everything's going well. Mm. Does that include helping with updating the house to get it ready for sale and other things beyond... It what? does. Yeah. In fact, we've got a gorgeous client at the moment that we vendor advocated for and uh, her house will go to market next year. Mm-hmm. With the selling agent that she chose, we then sat down and walked, worked out everything that needed to be done to the property, mm-hmm. uh, including painting and changing wardrobes, bringing in new ones, uh, decluttering, all those sorts of things, yeah. getting the garden looking right, and also to give her assurance that going to market at the start of next year will not be detrimental to going 
going and being rushed yeah. by the end of this year, which yeah. I think is really important. It just gave her confidence that it can all be done. Yeah leading up to it she's actually moved out now which is fantastic okay. for her because it decreases her stress levels getting it ready for auction day yeah which is good how do you help save vendors money with this whole process of, of employing a, a vendor advocate to, to get involved well the role what of the vendor advocate uh, obviously is to have a look at what the ongoing what what fees are standard at the moment uh, and does that agent warrant you know asking for three percent when everyone else in the area is doing one and a half uh, yeah. all of those sort of things so it's a, a checks and balances uh, way for the vendor the vendor advocate doesn't take a fee from the seller they take the fee from the selling agent so yep. and again that's negotiable so you if you're going to do a whole lot of work for the selling agent, you might have a higher fee. If you're really just going to set them up and connect them, you might have a lower fee. Yep. yep. So, so for instance, if a selling agent lists of say, 1.5%, then you would get a portion of that 1.5%? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So okay. you're sharing that fee. Sharing yeah. that fee. Yeah. Yeah. As, yeah. as opposed to added fees on top. Yeah. That's right. That's okay. good. Essentially, it's free in a way. Yes, it is. Yeah. 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 And you just make sure you that can, yeah. you're, you're there to hold their hand. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, Nicole, do you inform the vendor about how the sale is going along the way or does the agent do that? Well, it depends. If you're going to be at every open and discuss it with the agent and you're the point person to talk to the vendor, then you would. But uh, when we advocate for an agent, we're doing so because we believe in their ability to do that. Uh, they're on every open and they have that discussion directly with the owner. So okay. through trust, you don't necessarily need to be at those No, things. that's right. Yeah. yeah. Are there certain agents that you only work with or are you happy to try new ones. <laughs> it's always happy to try new ones because there are some amazing young guns out there or yeah. even old guns out there that are really good and they're just down to earth and they just get the job done and mm. I think that you can't overlook that. It's about the person that's selling, yeah. it's their property and where it's located. So it's making sure that you're there, making sure that the agents that you bring in to yeah. pitch for the business all are really good. Yeah. So you're not bringing in one amazing and two shockers because, yeah. you know, yeah. well, you, you're setting it up then, aren't you? But yeah. I think that if you've got two, probably three them at the most, because otherwise it gets very confusing for somebody, uh, bring them in. They're all really good. Mm. Uh, they must be specific to an area so that they know that backwards mm. and they have the credibility in that area. So in your opinion, I'm just going off topic again, Go for it. but... Would you ever advise to use an out-of-area agent to sell a property? I think it would come down to the property. Yeah. Uh, if you had a property that was really different in an area that nobody in that area had really looked after before, mm. uh, but you had a, an agent from maybe the next suburb over that mm. or two that was able to handle that sort of property. Yeah. And I'm talking about a property but that's very difficult to... Or, yeah, yeah, very unique so, property. Say like a little farmhouse in Heatherton, for instance, which is, you know, period high, you know, original farmhouse, but you wouldn't get a Heatherton sort of 
based agent to do it, which I don't think there is any Heatherton agents, but you'd get somebody more like a, a Sandringham agent. Well, if you're looking at uh, the market that you're trying to attract mm. is very different to the market yeah. that that agent's dealt with, yeah. then sometimes it is a good idea to have a look at uh, an agent that maybe is going to attract, say, Melbourne buyers with lots of money. Yeah. Uh, you know, who's... I know that, you know, in Dales, there's some amazing agents. Please don't... Mm. The, the, you're all amazing in Dales. <laughs> I love you all. Uh, but what? you might get... Well, you might get if you're trying to get some Melbourne buyers in, but the good mm. ones will actually contact Melbourne buyers. They've got yeah. them on their database already, yeah. but you might actually look at someone that's a lifestyle buyer, for instance, yeah. Yeah. and bring them. Yeah. Like you uh, that same... Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. Um, that same example would work. Uh, it's similar to Chinese buyers, for instance, you know, where yeah. you, might, yeah. you might enlist a Chinese um, agent who has contacts in China... That's right. Yeah. yeah. And it let's may not, not forget be you can always you can always do a conjunctional mm-hmm. uh, if you believe that, you know, and, and I would always advise if it's conjunctional do 50/50 because otherwise each if you do it with it's a conjunctional but whoever gets the buyer there gets the money, it's not going to work no. because then yeah. they lose no interest. They, there's yeah. no yeah, forget it. Uh, yeah. but you do a conjunctional because you need to meet maybe the local agent yeah. is on the ground but you've got the agent that's coming in with the the buyers from, say, overseas or wherever, and that's maybe when you would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I've got another listener question here. Uh, Martin from Mitcham wants to know, how do I know that I'm getting the best agent for me and my circumstances? Yeah. (laughs) Well, Martin... I think it's it, well. If you're going to use a vendor advocate, they're going to try and bring in uh, some very good agents that you can listen to and make that connection with. So, I think if you're doing it on your own, um, but even if you are going, considering using a vendor advocate, you've got to get out there. So, don't tell them that you're selling because you want to see what they how they treat you as a buyer. So, go out there, be the buyer, even if you're not going to buy that property. Uh, do they call you back? Yeah. <laughs> really important. It's yeah. not rocket science. Uh, what sort of questions are, are they asking you? Uh, and as a buyer, if they're doing all the right things to you, then they're probably going to do the right things as a, a vent, as a sorry selling agent. So, um, you know, it's really good to do that research and then go out and see the different auctioneers from that company that you're thinking of using. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, how did they treat you? Uh, did they just sort of not call you back, you asked for a contract, did they send it to you? Mm. All those little easy things that yeah. if they can't communicate those things and they can't get them to you, then you probably don't want to use them. Yeah. yeah. So it's basically, you know, provide a service or yeah. or just forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then when you're interviewing them, make sure they listen. Mm. That is the key. They must listen. Yes. If they just talk about themselves in the first meeting, you don't walk away. Yeah. Walk, walk away. away quickly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So what type of person or entity would be your main clients? Like, would you do a lot of companies as a vendor advocate or is it more on a personal level? Uh, definitely personal for us because yeah. it's not a major part of our business. It's okay. probably 0.05% of our business. So yeah. uh, we would do it because somebody needs help yeah. uh, and they they know that we know the agents in the area. Yeah. So we're happy to help. Maybe talking about the industry in general, are there um, vendor advocates out there that do specialise in in the corporate side of things? I suppose different specialists. Like when I was saying entities, it was more about, you know, it could be a share portfolio, for instance, who, you know, they want to get, build up their property side of that 
portfolio for in superannuation or something like that. And so they may get a vendor advocate to yeah, to offload property. Or like, uh, I don't know. Well, they wouldn't get the vendor advocate. They yeah. would actually just need their selling agent yeah. um, to actually look at... Well, you'd probably look at a finance uh, broker. Yeah. Uh, you'd look at um, maybe a property broker. So you might have a commercial arm as well mm-hmm. of your portfolio, uh, in which case you need to be looking at brokers that sell, buy and sell businesses, yeah. uh, which is very different to a residential to home or yeah. a, a small investment property, for instance. Yeah. So yeah. there are lots of different people in this industry that can help out with different aspects of buying and selling. Mm. Um, you wouldn't necessarily use a vendor advocate for that. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Yeah. What, if, what happens if the house doesn't sell? Do you still get paid? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no one gets paid until something sells. Uh, yeah. Let's put it that way. Uh, and as a vendor advocate, you're taking a percentage of what the agent is taking as a commission. So when it sells, yeah, when it yeah. sells, yeah. 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 So Clancy from Surrey Hills is worried that she will be paying more money in advertising than she needs to. Do you make sure that the advertising the agent wants the seller to do is what they should be doing? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a key role as yeah. a vendor advocate. You've got to make sure that they're not overspending on advertising yeah. and where are they spending the money. Yeah. Because, if, uh, you know, 90% of the time people are online looking, mm. uh, but they might want you to be in a big glossy magazine, for instance. Yeah. You know, you've got to weigh it up. up. And, yeah. and weigh up what's the value of your property too. And those and glossy magazines. Look at a percentage of, of that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like, I know advertising's changed, you know, in the 25 years I've been in this industry. And... It's. It was all about the age way back when I was doing it. Absolutely. And, and everyone got their big, you know, lot <laughs> volumes of paper every Saturday. <laughs> well, I go back to when they did etched drawings. So oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's well. That's when we yeah. were. My my lovely ex husband was doing the sketches. Oh know, really? Okay. There you go. Way. I was looking at them. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So. Yeah, it just yeah. depends on the property uh, and what the value of the property is and having a look at, you know, yeah. where do you need to meet your target market? Mm. Um, you know, we all do love sitting at a cafe, you know, flicking through, say, Domain, yeah. uh, the beautiful glossy magazines they have now, yeah. which is great. But um, you just have to work out what's right for your property. Yeah, definitely. This last one might be not necessarily about vendor advocates, but in general when you're selling a house, because we've kind of covered it, but... Are there any hidden fees the seller should be worried about or be made aware of when it comes to selling your home, whether it be vendor advocates or real estate agents or... Well, obviously, you've got the agent's fee, uh, and that includes the vendor advocate if you're using one. Uh, You'll have your marketing fees, which Mm. we've spoken about. Uh, You'll also have conveyancing fees or solicitor's fees to prepare the contract of sale. Yeah. Uh, so um, that now, do usually they, do is... they all come out of the the sale price at the end? Normally, is that standard or uh, marketing fees normally paid up front? How does that all work normally? Everybody works differently, but most companies now ask for the marketing fees. Uh, yeah. yeah, at least a percentage of them. Uh, you can negotiate this though, so it's important to know if you so don't this have is those something fees. Something an advocate couldn't negotiate, for instance, or, or normal normal yep. person uh, selling by themselves yep. could negotiate if they don't have the, the money to do it right now. Uh, but they might take uh, an imprint of a credit card, for instance, as a holding deposit mm. or something. But um, yeah, the, they're the main costs uh, is the advertising slash marketing. So in yep. that, you'll have your board, your brochures, your floor plan, your photography, 
uh, and then and copywriting, the copywriting, yes. <laughs> uh, and then you may fall in love with your house again once you've read the copy yeah, and you go, do. "Oh my gosh, why am I selling?" Yeah. <laughs> and you see the photos and you think, "Wow," because yeah. most people get their houses ready to sell when they yeah. could do that way earlier and actually and then, enjoy their homes. Yeah. <laughs> we see that so many times, don't we? Yeah, yeah. they certainly do. Yeah. So I think that's all we've got to ask. Is there anything that you'd like to add? No, I think think that that's covered. Yeah, covered. Okay, so thanks for everything, Nicole. It's been really informative, and we'll have another break to hear from our sponsors, but be back for more of Grant's fun facts. Yay! And now for Grant's fun facts. Well, this one's random useless fun facts, probably, for uh, real estate this time. In Japan, most houses depreciate in value. Now, you may be able to tell me if I'm wrong here. Half of all houses are demolished within 38 years, and there is virtually no market for pre-owned homes, or it's very little. Per capita, there are nearly four times as many architects and more than twice the construction workers than we have. I couldn't verify that fact. <laughs> so let's hope it's right. Well, I've been to Japan, yeah. and I must say that uh, there are a lot of high-rises. Most people don't own a home. Mm. Mm. Uh, they just rent. There you go. Yeah. But I, they're also in negative interest rates now, yes. too. Yes, negative interest rates. So... Um, which means, what does that mean? The bank's almost paying you. Yeah, yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah. Paying, they well, they are. are doing that yeah. in Scandinavia, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, as well. As well. Yeah, yeah, quite a few places. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, but there's still some beautiful historical buildings there that won't be pulled down, we hope. No. Yeah, I'm sure some buildings there would have value. but mm. yeah, Yes, and, I'm and, sure and, there and are. So, There'd have to be a market of some, some kind. Have to, but that's a general consensus of, yeah. Yeah. compared to Australia, I think. Yeah. Um, McDonald's. Uh, is one of the biggest real estate portfolios in the world. Mm. They're not really focused on burgers, as you, you would <laughs> believe. Yeah. In fact, most people think McDonald's is, is successful to its burgers, but really it's due to the fact they have some of the best located properties and mm. get paid handsomely for rent by the burger flippers in each location. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would say that yeah. is absolutely true. Yeah. Yep. You know who number one is, though, don't you? Who's that? The Catholic Church. Catholic Church is all about <laughs> oh, to say the same thing. Course, They're yes, all on a high on a hill. They've all got yeah. the most prominent yeah. piece of land. I still yeah. think it's funny that um, Notre Dame is high on the hill in Paris and then you go down to the bottom and, and it's and it's Moulin Rouge and it's all the border... The, yeah. um, Bordellos and stuff like that. I just think, where do these Catholic priests go? They just go down the hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, the churches have worked it out many yes. years ago. Yeah, yep. And, yeah, going strong. The White House has been valued at approximately $110 million. There you go. I'm not sure when. I couldn't get a date on that. But, but I found that in a few spots. So, mm. um, yeah. There's, wow, there's your there you go. Wouldn't like to live there. No, no. <laughs> not with the current uh, head of the house. <laughs> oh, I don't know about any of them. Too much I history going on there. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to walk through it. Yeah. Definitely like to walk through it. Yeah, I'm so would I actually. Mm. So now I've got my quick quiz. So, Nicole, what's your favourite Melbourne cafe? I'll go with Cornerstone in Hebden. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a local. So, yes. what's better? 
on the cafe thing, cappuccino or cafe latte. You can give a third F. Flat white. Okay. <laughs> soy. Weak soy, flat white. Must be bonsoi or happy, happy soy. No other, no other option. No, no other option. <laughs> if they enough. don't have it, I don't drink it. Fair enough. Well, there is I like it. <laughs> okay, who's your favourite cafe or restaurant owner? Oh, I'll have to skew this because I know him, uh, Andrew McConnell. <laughs> okay. So he owns Cutler & Co.? Yes. Yeah. And several others. And several others, okay. yes. If life was an Olympic sport, what would you excel at? <laughs> Speaking. <laughs> well, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, you're doing so. good. Uh, what's your favourite music venue in Melbourne? Uh, oh, well, I did see David Bowie out at the old um, AFL ground in Mulgrave. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw you two there once. Yeah, yeah. AFL yeah, Park. Yeah, music venue now. Uh, oh, gee, I'm really, I haven't been to a music venue oh. for a very long time. How bad is that? That's I need to kids. get out more. You do. Yeah. 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 So name a secret place in Melbourne that is your happy find. Happy find. Uh... I think any of the rocks down on the beach. I know it's going to sound bizarre, yeah. but I do love just going down to uh, Greenpoint yeah. um, or Hampton or Sandringham Beach. There's just some gorgeous little spots there yeah. to sit and watch the kids and the dogs and yeah. all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah nice. Absolutely. Name your favourite Melbourne architect. Oh, Neil Clarahan. Yeah. because uh, we've got a mid-century home that was designed by Neil Clarahan. Okay. Uh, and, of course, he is the late Neil Clarahan, which is very sad. So, But he was quite old. Mm. Uh, he used to work with Boyd. Yes. And then we engaged Julian Brenchley to uh, continue the uh, the, reno- the big renovation of that home. So, okay, nice. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, sounds good. When was the last time you stood to watch or gave money to a Melbourne street busker? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, my kids frequently give money to buskers because yeah. my daughter busks. Okay. So uh, yeah. I don't know if I can count her, but at South Melbourne Market, you'll see Zara okay. singing yeah, away with her girlfriend, Ella. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a bit of fun. They earn good money, buskers. Oh, they do. Yeah. 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 Does she have to have a licence? Yes, you have yeah. to have a licence. So you've yeah. got that through the council. Yeah. 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 Very important. Yes. So what's your favourite style of Melbourne house? Oh, well, obviously I love modernist architecture, mm. but I do love a Victorian. Yeah. I just, I, I get weak at the knees when I walk through a great Victorian. Yeah. I just think so much history, just so many beautiful building qualities. Yeah, yeah when they're done up really nice. And, yeah. and it was the boom time of Melbourne mm. you know, history where money was rich and thrown around yeah so, the large victorians yeah are the grand yeah. yeah i do love a queen anne mm, yeah beautiful yeah. Mm. i get excited about pretty much any architecture actually yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> as long as it's unique you know in a certain way i think yeah. i find yeah yeah you know, just something mm. like yeah a lot of houses i find are, all look very similar but mm. then you'll just come across one that's just got something unique that just yeah. And I yeah. think when you step inside them, it's it's very much about a feeling. Yes. Yeah. I can walk That's into right. $10 million homes and feel nothing. Yeah. Because yeah. I can walk into something for, you know, $2 million and just go, wow, this is a happy place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. So what's your favourite bakery in regional Victoria? You know how when people just go oh. for a drive and go find that? The little bakery. The little bakery. Oh, I love a bakery. I don't know if I can tell you a favourite one because I am so carbohydrate-driven, it's not funny. Oh, okay. um, I'm a big carb girl. <laughs> I know that I should not be, but I yeah. am. Um, All bakeries can be the answer. 
Beechworth. Oh, yeah, Beechworth. I love Beech- Beechworth Bakery. Yeah, yeah, yeah Beechworth. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. do good. They've got a name yeah. for themselves, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, that's the end of my little quick quiz. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nicole, for such an insightful understanding of what a vendor advocate does. It's been fun. Thank you very much. Uh, it really has made us see the value in having a vendor advocate on side when I sell my next property. Nicole Jacobs from Nicole Jacobs Property. Thank you very much. (laughs) My absolute pleasure to both of you for having me in. Next week, we are talking about uh, buying in a group or partnerships. What are the benefits and what are the pitfalls, especially on a legal stance? It's one that you won't want to miss, especially if you're looking to buy something with a new partner or even a sibling. Subscribe to your favourite podcast app so you don't miss out. Real Estate Right is a Real Copyright production, hosted by Sue Langada and Grant Kennedy. Nicole Jacobs has spoiled us once again with a copy of her book, Sold, to give to a lucky listener. Just like us on Facebook or Instagram and tell us why you love Real Estate Right, and we will choose one lucky listener to win. We would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Audio Stock for Sound Effects, and Premium Beat for our theme music. If you love this podcast and want to help us, we'll be ever so thankful if you could please subscribe, rate and review us on your favourite podcast service. We welcome any of our listeners to email us if they have any questions they would like answered in a future episode. So please send an email to sue at realestateright.com.au. Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right.